0: In my universe, when a dork like Oscar pushes up on a girl like Jenny, he usually gets bounced faster than your tia daisy's rent checks, but Jenny must have had brain damage and been really in the fat loser nerd boys because by the end of February, she was actually treating them all civil and shit. Before I could wrap my brain around that one, I saw them hanging out together. In public. I couldn't believe my fucking eyes. And then came the day when I returned from my creative writing class and found La Hablés and Oscar sitting in our room. They were just talking about Alice Walker. But still, Oscar looking like he'd just been asked to join the Jedi Order. Jenny smiling, beautiful. And me? I was speechless. Jenny remembered me, all right. Looked at me with her cute, smirking eyes and said, You want me to get off your bed? Her jersey accent enough to knock the guff clean out of me. Nah, I said. Picked up my gym bag and bolted like a bitch. When I got back from the weight room, Oscar was at his computer on page a billion of his new novel. I said, So what's up with you in scary pants? Nothing. What the hell you two talk about? Items of little note. Something about his tone made me realize that he knew about her scorching me. The fucker. I said, well good luck, Wild. I just hope she doesn't sacrifice you to Beezlebub or anything.
1: what's up everybody it's your host nelson santiago this episode five of homies of lit it's gonna be the continuation
0: of our episode on oscar wow Hi, right, what's up everybody it's your co-host randy so as we said in the last episode we are going to continue our conversation about oscar Wilde, but focus more particularly on the aspects of We'll say we're calling it toxic masculinity um in some cases it's blatant misogyny depending on um which part of the text you're reading i guess which aspect of the text you're focusing on but one thing me and nelson talked about when um throughout reading this book you know texting before we actually had the real conversation about it is kind of how the language paints union and oscar um almost to be polar opposites but tries to connect them in that they're Dominican men and thus they should do things that Dominican men do. So there's this very heavy stereotype, right? That Dominican men are expected to be drowning in women, that they're expected to be cheaters. And if they do cheat, um, as Junior sort of mentions in the book, it says, ah, well, it's, you know, it's not really my fault, it's just the Dominican part of me. Um, there's never really any real ownership As to what's going on, even as the story develops, like you go into the end of the book and Junior, he develops a deeper relationship with Oscar's sister, Lola. But for whatever reason, he can't really find it in himself to be committed to her. Like he constantly finds a way to fuck up the relationship, even when it's literally, you know, in his hands and stable. So we're going to focus on these different elements and sort of how... Um, In the end of things, we feel that Junior actually sort of, I don't want to say changed because I feel like that's too strong a word to really cue into what he did. He didn't really alter his character all that much, but he came to deeper realizations about how he acts with women, um, how he acts in general with the world as a man, and how Oscar really taught him some lessons on how to be a more well-rounded person. Um, but before we do that, sorry, I want to revisit our descriptions and characteristics of Oscar and Junior, so that we understand, or so that you understand what we mean by contrast.
1: All right. So, talking about Oscar and Junior, Oscar, as we described in the episode beforehand, is uh, definitely more American than Dominican. He's uh, into comics, like magic shit like that. Like, yeah, he's really um, like Americanized. He's a nerd pretty much, a heavyset guy. He's just not cool. Really low on the friends and all that shit. You know what I'm saying? Junior, definitely a confident guy. He's a womanizer. Apparently he's pretty strong. He's full of himself, more outgoing. Definitely has I I don't want to say better character but I guess a more social character and like he fits in more with the world than Oscar does um and if you think about Oscar and Junior you just think about like two sides of the coin you know what I mean like everything that Oscar would feel he's lacking I, I would assume that he just assumes that that's from Junior and you know Anything humble about Oscar, you know, like the way he views the world and everything, is exactly what Junior's missing. Uh, he just believes like he could just do whatever he wants. He's pretty much like, uh, yeah, I want to say, kind of like full of himself. Like he's just feeling himself all the time. That that's how I would describe him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Junior kind of like operates in the world like he doesn't have a single flaw. Um, though he does like, was, what I always found interesting. I took a lot of like just random, um, page notes about this. Like sometimes when Oscar would be talking, um, about different things, like he said one time, Junior walked up to o- Oscar's college dorm, like to his door. And there was a message written in Elvish on the door. But somehow, Junior knew that this was Elvish, so that cues us into the fact that, like, Junior clearly is a nerd himself, but what we can call a closeted nerd, right? Because I mean, we've talked about this a lot in our podcast and previous episodes, like, you can't showcase these different things right you can't showcase a love for books you can't showcase softness you can't be too emotional um you can't be into fucking, you know lord of the rings or mangas animes and union into all these things as he tells us um so him and oscar they wind up dorming together union says out of a favor to oscar's sister but really like you know he didn't really then he paints says he didn't have a choice because um, for anyone who's gone to college, you know, there's a housing lottery and I fucked up in this way before also, cause I came late from a Latin student union meeting, like upperclassmen get the favor for college lotteries. So you can get, you know, a single apartment in the nicest building on campus. If you show up on time, if you miss your slot, then you are tossed all the way to the back. And this is what union's justification for this is. He missed his slot like I did and you get tossed all the way to the back. So Anyway, though, he acknowledges um, that he understands Elvish when Oscar watches his animes, Junior also watches them from below Oscar, like sort of at his desk. He pretends he's writing, but he's really into what Oscar's watching. So we know that he has these things in him, but he's heavily suppressing them because, again, he feels like it's not manly of him to do. And... Um, there's one section that we found that I want to read for you all where he talks about um, dorming with Oscar. Because I feel like it's a good example of how Junior just feels like he has to really portray for us as a reader that he's not a weirdo like Oscar, but he's also, he's actually, you know, a really cool, really strong, really manly dude. So he said, speaking about um, moving in with Oscar, I move in with him. And fucking Demarest, home of all the weirdos and losers and freaks and fembots. Me, a guy who could bench 340 pounds, who used to call Demarest homo hall like it was nothing, who never met a little white artist freak he didn't want to smack around, put in my application for the writing section, and by the beginning of September, there we were, me and Oscar, together. So again, like he could have just said, nah, I didn't really want to fuck with Demaris. That's where all the weirdos are, that's where this is that. But he's like me, a guy who can bench 340 pounds. It's like, why is that relevant here? But he's really like he's really creating a strong contrast between Oscar, who we know is severely overweight. So we have Oscar on one side, severely overweight, Junior on the other side, extremely strong, extremely attractive, and he's constantly with women, so many women that he's cheating on all the women, right? that he can't control himself. And it's mentioned a lot, this idea, again, of Dominican men not being able to control themselves. And he kind of uses that as an an excuse sometimes. And it really makes me think about, there was this movie that came out recently. I want to say it was released. I don't remember if it was uh, Sage for release, Um, but I want to say the title was like, How to Be a Latin Lover. It had Latin Lover in the title, and this shit caused a stir like, I mean, all newspaper headlines, you know, all the fucking Latino writers that have been hiding in the shadows suddenly have a voice. And they're like, this is the problem with, you know, American media, right? Like they always depict us specifically um, Latinos and Latinas, right? As hypersexual people, right? We have these dances where we have to move our hips and we wear shirts with like fucking 30 buttons down, even though there are only 10 buttons on a shirt, right? And there is this heavy fixation on the suaveness of Latinos, but particularly of the men, right? And it really made me think about, like, why is he depicting Junior in this way? Like, what is he trying to relate to us? And why is he creating a contrast out of Oscar? And I just really thought about how growing up, Like, I remember we'd go to parties. Uh, We didn't see our dad's family often, but when we did, it was typically, like, a party. Christmas, Thanksgiving, Easter, that type of shit. And everybody would be dancing. And, like, mostly guys in my family, they kind of dress, like, in my opinion, like scrubs. But a lot of the time, like, when we'd be going there, um, my... Older relatives, like some of my aunts, would make comments about like, if I had a button-up shirt, they're like, oh, why are you wearing the button so high? Like, why don't you draw the this, this way? Why don't you slick your hair back? You know, like, that's how you're supposed to look. And that always stuck with me, like, the idea of that's how you're supposed to look. Like, this is how you have to present yourself to the world because this is the only way the world will be able to digest you and consume you, right? Because otherwise, then you're too prim and proper. And I think there's a major problem with that. In our society, and that we were convinced, and we convince people of these backgrounds um, that without fitting this mold, which is typically not a very flattering mold, right? Because again, we're always hypersexualized. So it's like, you know, you can't trust those Dominican and Puerto Rican men because they're loose, right? They're just going to hop around with different women. And I even had a girlfriend in high school whose mom uh told her when she's like oh is randy mexican um she was like nah he's puerto rican she's like oh well you know you have to watch out with puerto rican men and it's this thing that persists that you can't exist in the world because you're untrustworthy and it's because you know all of the again these different qualities that come from the music from the way they dress from you know the way people in spanish speak in english it's a romantic language right For me, like reading this, it really like cued me into that because there's very heavy criticism about like why is Junior such a misogynistic voice? Like in all the books, any book you read by him, like he doesn't really have, we'll say positive comments about women or even when just language in general, like when you're calling a guy a bitch, right? That's typically a reference to like he's acting like a woman. So we kind of want to break that down because for me, it it hits so many layers and I feel like it kind of, at least on my front, kind of complicates the argument personally because on the one hand, I understand why it's being done, right? To sort of showcase like this is what happens when you perpetuate these things. But on the other hand, it also contributes to toxicity in that it can in some way sound like it's condoning um, those behaviors and those arguments and those sentiments. So we're going to try to... At the best way we possibly can, again, from our own humble opinions, break this down.
1: Yeah, so starters with Junior, reading it, sometimes, you know, if you guys read it, uh, maybe it's just me. You guys ever get the feeling, Junior the narrator by the way, for those of you who haven't read it. And uh, to my understanding, he's also like the narrator in, in, in the other books or like he's a character or some
0: shit. He's the narrator in most of the stories and he's also the central character in most, but not all of the stories. Okay, yeah. So
1: I, you ever, I, for me, you ever wonder it's like, for all we know, he could just be a straight lame. He could probably be like a straight up Oscar, right? And he's just depicting himself the way He's, he believes a man needs to be depicted. And when he mentions, like, here I am, you know, I could bench however much I could bench, and he's comparing himself uh, to Oscar, it's like, you know, he he has to go out of his way to make sure that he's more of a man. Um, just, like, why would he admit to enjoying any of the things Oscar enjoys? Because then he's just going to group himself up as, as to the same likes as Oscar. Um, yeah, growing up, and even now, right, there's just this... Uh, image of a man and uh, that's so they talk about like being a dominican man and all this shit in the book and uh just to touch on the yeah i think it's like how to be a latin lover was the name of the movie and for those of you in the hood who were thinking damn that's how to be a latin lover and it's a gang that's exactly what the fuck i thought until i seen the billboard yeah rude awakening guys it's, it's not a gang documentary so yeah and then growing up in our, in our family what I, I was I was assuming Randy was gonna mention, but he didn't. So I'll I'll, I'll touch base on that, um, which I thought was funny about the slick back hair. Sometimes I think they just wanted us to do stuff with our hair because all the men in our family are bald. But aside from that, one thing that you would get um, if you were wearing certain shoes, fucking chinos or some shit, is that you're dressing like you're white. Killer right there.
0: Yeah, I did get that a lot in high school. I still get it, actually. They're like, I mean, mom says it whenever on the rare occasion I see her. She's like, oh, Randy's the white boy in the family, even on the darkest.
1: Yeah. The there. You know, I went to like a charity event. Uh, I went to Elevation uh, with once, um, which is like this art auction event and shit. And uh, I wore a suit. And, and yeah, mom said the same shit. Like, oh, you know, Malik's white today. I'm like, girl, get the fuck up out of here. <laughs> but uh <laughs> You know, and it just goes back to that, like, you know, Junior describes himself as what would be the typical Dominican man, of course, in their eyes. Right. Like uh, how they talk about it, and because they even try to get Oscar to get on board and be cool and, and start rocking with it like that. Right. But it didn't work out for him. And I also I was reading something I was reading up, like trying to rehash this, because obviously, you know, we read the book like a few weeks ago already. Yeah. And I was looking at, they mentioned that about, like, Junior and, like, his, his, like, his toxicity and massaging and stuff like that. And I, and I think this was, like, someone, like, writing an aside or maybe they quoted or said that Juno Diaz said, like, some shit, like, that he believes, like, by acknowledging it, like, putting it out there, like, that's the only way people are going to see, see it for what it is and want to change it, like, by putting it out there as the reality Just to touch on how, like you said, you don't know if it's like condoning it or if, for example, like what that article said, which Mm -hmm. I can't quote it, guys. I don't know where the fuck the article is from. I was just reading it like literally right now. Like there was like a breakdown of like the character. Right. But the point was that, like, I guess that he puts him out there like that for the realization, because that's how the people are and to sort of shed light on it. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like to acknowledge this existence, I guess. Right. Which. I mean, I don't know how to feel about that personally, because I mean, but then again, at the same time, it's because we know that already. I, I, I didn't have to read it in a book to know that that's how people are talking or thinking inside, you know, the, I would say Hispanic circles, because obviously we're Hispanic, so that's what we would know, right? So, um, we're Latinos. Think about it. Our, the men in our family believe themselves to be womanizers. I say believe because, you know, it's just like you and your, do we really know?
0: All right? but... Like, do you mean, like, ladies men?
1: Yeah, like, that. Like they would, and I mean, like, based on reference, like, those yeah. are the words they use, womenizers and shit like that, you know what I mean? Like, how this guy, Junior's drowning in it, right? He's drowning in women, as he says. It's the same thing, like, the men in our family, right? And also, you know, like I said, just like Junior, he might just be saying some shit, right? But everyone's trying to, like, meet that stereotype. They just, like, oh, yeah, you know, I get a lot of women, I don't care, you know, they throw the word bitch around, everything. That's why it's like obviously reading in a book, we could think of a million we could think of almost our entire family and be like, Yeah, that's that's that same shit they be on. You know what I mean? And back to how like how you said it, you don't wanna say that Union like made a change. Yeah, that he definitely didn't make a motherfucking change. I think all I think towards the end what he did was just acknowledge that he might have been doing some shit that he probably shouldn't have been doing. He acknowledged that there was another way to look at it. Because think about it. The guy, again, like you said, he continued to cheat on Lola. All right? And then he, like, has, like, a family of his own or he gets married and shit. Right? And he still, like, for the most part, stops cheating around. What the fuck does that even mean? (laughs) Like, you're either doing it or you're not doing it. But for him, doing it less is, like, a big stepping stone you know what i mean like you know for the most part i done cooled it down so it's all good like but that just shows because like you know the men in our family like i'm never gonna get married malik how could you get married i would never you know what i mean and it's like well that's good for you man you know what i'm saying even though you know you hold it down however long you've been holding it down but that's because obviously you know like junior it ain't the only one that's that's how i see it like you know i'm just talking about how you were growing up that's how i see like he's like matching that stereotype, which is alive and well. Yeah. And then you think about Oscar, he's so much more like, well, I guess you could say he's just not shisty like that. Right. You know what I mean? He, he doesn't one, he doesn't even, he, he's not even close to fitting that description, but he also doesn't really want to fit that description because a lot of people try to put themselves in that category, which I think is one of the bigger issues with it. It's bad enough. People are saying it and there's like a stereotype around it. I think, It sucks when we're gloating about it too. You know what I mean? Like we're we're trying to make sure that we fit in that. I think that's the real issue. Like when we're growing up, they try to mold us to be that way. Talk to as many women as you can. You ain't taking nobody's shit. It's your word. You know what I mean? Over everything. You gotta be a firm man. Don't be a little bitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like these are all things that are ingrained in us. You know what I mean? And we see it in pretty much our day to day all the time. If, just think about it. If someone comes up to you in the hood and they, they try to roll up on you, like, I ain't no bitch, right? I, that's just what people are saying. And if you think about it, it just ingrains back to, yeah, I'm not no scary motherfucker. I'm not going to act like a woman. You know what I mean? Because that's, like you said, when they refer to it, they're saying like, you're acting like a woman. Oh, don't be soft. Don't be this. Don't be that. And, oh, why would you just talking to one girl? You know what I mean? Or they say, oh, Santiago's, you know, we're womanizers. You know what I mean? That's yeah. what they tell us. They tell us that shit forever. I I don't know how to feel like with how it's so direct, because I I can't say whether I believe it's condoning it or just addressing it or like kind of like a mix, because I think it really just depends on how the person reading it sees it. Mm -hmm. But when I read it, it's like, obviously, this is the easiest, most relatable book as in a sense of like, I can open it, read it, and then just start talking about it without really having to articulate many thoughts, because it's just like reading a book. It's like having that conversation with one of our own people because that's how they think and talk on that same bullshit. You know what I mean? And especially with kind of always thinking what they're doing is okay and having some sort of justification for it, most of the time being like, well, you know, we're Puerto Rican. You know, that's what we do. You know what I'm saying? Like, which makes no fucking sense. But those are, that's just how it it is. And that's kind of what he does. He just kind of justifies his actions, feels like he can do no wrong, but also feels like he's the shit. And yeah, I think that's like everyone, which I guess is the issue that we're trying to address here, that it's super, super common in our, in our, uh, our upbringings.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like it's definitely prevalent and like I've read, not read, I, I guess I have, I've read a few articles, but I've watched a lot of interviews with Juno Diaz. So I said, the last episode, he's my favorite fiction author. So like I religiously watch this motherfuckers, like interviews, um, and I'd be like at work at the info desk, there's ain't shit to do at the info desk at college. Like he addresses it a lot because it's a big question he gets. You know, he does say he's like if you put it at the forefront, then it's like anything else. People are forced to confront it right head on. And one of the major criticisms he gets is that people feel that within the book that he doesn't push back against those ideals enough, right? That like they're constantly perpetuated, but there's not enough pushback and there's not enough room for Junior to actually grow out of that. And which I guess. Like, I mean, it's a solid argument, but when you're looking at like the arc of the books, like I've read all three of the books and I mean, should he ever drop another book? I'll read that motherfucker too. It's more, I feel like it's more heavily addressed in the book that came after Oscar Wilde, which is this is how you lose her. Cause it's focusing a lot on that idea of Dominican masculinity, womanizing and, you know, what the complications of that, what the implications are and looking at sort of deep rooted causes of that but i agree though like there's there's a strong prevalence of that in our communities i mean sure, i remember uh, my senior year in high school when i was living with our dad and we were driving to school one day uh, he was driving me to school one day rather he worked at the uh, armory in chicago um, in humble park and so he was driving me to school and we're like just down the block and we didn't really talk much literally like I'd say the most common subject of conversation with him was women. And it was just always how, oh, like when I was dating this girl, I was still seeing this, this, and this girl. And I don't know why you're wasting your time just dating, you know, this chick when you can be talking to all these girls and you need to like stop wasting your time uh talking and you just need to act on it. And I remember one time he actually Like, while we were pulling up to school, like, one of my friends recognized me. She waved at me. I said, hi, whatever. And this girl, she was only, like, 16 or so years old. But he talked about her, like, talked about her as a person, talked about her physically, like, her physical features, her body as though she was a grown woman, right? But also talked about her as if she wasn't a human, which, for me, it just, I remember, we got into a big argument after that. And it just made me extremely uncomfortable because I'm, like, like, for various reasons. But, like, thinking back on it, Like, it really reminds me of a lot of the national conversation when um, the president was going into his election cycle in 2015, right? Like, all the conversations around, like, oh, do men, he's like, you know, this is just, he justifies, this is just locker room talk, you know? This is just what guys say and what guys do. But, and I think writing it off that way, like... You're not, I don't think it's necessarily trying to convince the people who are questioning you and pushing back against that logic, not necessarily trying to convince them that what you're saying is normal and it's okay. It's trying to convince the people that are using the language and the people that you're trying to instruct with the language that it's okay and it's it can be normalized. And in a lot of ways, like, I feel like growing up in spaces, especially, I mean, i You know, that hyper-masculinity, machismo, is very big in Latino communities. You know, just like left and right, like any dude you talk to, it seems like an older guy would just really perpetuate those ideals. And it puts a pressure on you that makes you feel as though you should fulfill them, right? Because if you don't fulfill them, then you're literally letting down every single man in your life that's telling you that you should do this. If not, you're not worthy enough. You know, in the book, we have someone like Oscar who, in the very beginning, he has this thing. We talked about this. I'm pretty sure Nelson mentioned in the last episode. He has a thing with two different girls. It's like Maritza and Olga, I believe. He basically, he's like eight years old or some shit. And it's like the only time in his life when he had more than one woman within his grasp. And instead of choosing like to you know talk to one woman and you know, let go of the other, he decided to play both of them at the same time. And within a week, he got dropped by both of them. And after that, Oscar then proceeded to deal with a life of loneliness and depression, suicidal attempts, like being looked at as a monster until he finally like builds up some relationship. Right. But it's, I think what the book, is doing there is one. it's showing that junior if he perpetuates these stereotypes his life is going to continue going on the route where he's going to have tons of women he's going to have all this attention oscar who decided after that one time clearly having pinning two girls against each other and trying to play both of them isn't going to work out in my favor so i should then commit to one individual right and oscar has obsessive tendencies so he's kind of terrifying these girls who he's throwing all of his being into right but then he eventually develops more control near the end of the book has a relationship with someone and you know big reveal of the book he sleeps with her and then he dies but junior goes through all these things he cheats on all these women and then he comes to the end of the book and he's like the one woman i actually wanted she just can't deal with my shit anymore. She dropped him. she's married to someone else. I think his name was like Max or some shit. and she has a kid with him. And then Jr runs into her uh, at the end. And I think that's the big lesson of the book that I feel like a lot of people miss, right? Because they're like the entire time Oscar's just chasing after women and he's obsessed with them, and this is all he cares about, because Oscar in his mind is being in, in the outside world is being told that this is what he has to do to gain fulfillment in life, and what did that lead him to? It led him to death. After he finally found what might have been love, Junior does all this shit and it leads him to loneliness because now no one trusts that they can love him because they don't trust that he can love them and that he can commit to them. So for me, that's the biggest thing I got from the book, um, at least in terms of that message, because, like, after reading a lot of, uh, in the past week, I've read a decent amount of articles um, and re like, a couple interviews, listened to a podcast about, um, again, depictions of masculinity in the book and what Junot Diaz meant to do with the book. It seems like he always points in this direction, like, direction that I just went with, like, the two characters and the contrast and how Junior kind of learns, like, you know, Oscar actually committed to this woman, he eventually, you know, was able to find that love, but of course it led him to his doom. Um, and now Oscar's junior is Fuku, right? But it seems like he never really wants to force people in that direction. Um, but I personally, that's what I think is the message of the book when, uh, regarding like the, let's say the perils of falling into that mentality of, I need to dominate women and need to take full advantage of them, but never fully give them my trust and my love because they're not deserving of that. And for me, I really thought of that because I remember one time when I was talking to my dad again, or our dad, he told me, he's like, you know, like you, he's like, when you're talking to them, you should mostly be focusing on how to get into bed with her because that's what you ultimately want, right? You don't, he told, like, I remember very distinctly and vividly, he was like, you don't want to give them your emotions because they're not worthy of that and they're not deserving of that. And that really stuck with me for a long time, you know, and sometimes like when I would be like in college, especially when I was single, like interacting with the women that I had relationships with, that would always just kind of like cycle in my mind, like, should I... Be throwing myself into this thing because, like, the women can't be trusted. They're just going to hurt me, right? And then, you know, when you actually, you know, in my case, actually get into a real relationship, you just realize all the falsehood in that, right? And that if you perpetuate that, you're eventually going to do the thing that you're afraid is going to happen to you, right? And you're going to create that demise. And it's, you know, it's going to become inevitable and it's just going to become a cycle. But I feel like, as men, like we're too afraid to actually acknowledge that and to give up that just small amount of power, right? Like we have so much power in the world, but like men are so afraid to just give up that little inkling of power because then they feel if they do, then they're doomed, right? Oh, my biggest uh, cons- like takeaway,
1: I guess, or concern or thought, of, uh, pretty much with Junior is, is that I wonder if he learned his lesson with Lola or if he believes that what happened with him with Lola is the reason why he has to continue to be the way he is, because that's kind of what gets me like, is Lola just going to be like the lesson learned, like all you lost it, but is that going to be his justification to continue to go forward? You know, when, when guys like, uh, um, what is it? We sit here a lot. Our dad would mention it too. Like those guys who, who started dating one girl and they were quote unquote loyal to her. And, you know, she broke his heart and now he's a dog. Right. and, so it's like, is that what's going on with this guy, Junior? Who knows, right? I've only read this one. I don't know what happens in the other two or however it works out. But like, that's what I think usually ends up happening, though. If this were, let's say, reality or maybe our dad or someone talking, he'll be like, oh, you know, she went with someone else instead of putting up with me. That shows that she didn't want to put that effort in. She couldn't handle me. So now she has a family somewhere else. And this is exactly why I treat women the way that I treat them. Right. That's that's what I wondered was if how you know how how he took that lesson for himself.
0: Yeah. So going off that note, um, like speaking on whether or not Junior actually learned his lesson. And again, I do think that because some bits of his next book, This Is How You Lose Her, go into the past, like before Oscar Wilde occurred and then uh, come about after. So you kind of see Junior from a teenager, like young adult into later adulthood, like navigating his different relationships. Um, And just all the complexities around that and just all the toxic shit that he learned, especially from his father. Like one of the stories is actually written from the perspective of the woman his father is cheating on their mother with while he's in New Jersey and there in the Dominican Republic waiting for him, which I think is a really powerful story. But there's this quote um, on page 324. Um, this section called "As for us like each individual section is uh named here which i think is kind of impressive because i wouldn't have the patience for that shit but anyway in regard to his relationship with lola and basically how oscar's death brought them together but how he fucked it all up because again he cheated because being a dominican man as he says he couldn't Hold back from that, but the final line of the section is, um, I think, one of the best lines in the book, and it is, "She was the kind of girlfriend God gives you young, so you'll know loss the rest of your life." For me, like that doesn't really say if he learned a lesson there, but clearly, like there's a sense of very heavy remorse and that he realizes that he fucked up on an opportunity, and in really capitalizing on an opportunity that Oscar capitalized on, but of course to his peril, like, you know, his demise, he loses his life, but he he failed to capitalize an opportunity to have a real love with someone, someone who genuinely cared for him. And then immediately after we learn that he runs into her occasionally, but with her husband and their daughter and how that just permeates in his mind. And he has nightmares of Oscar and he describes Oscar as um, faceless we didn't mention this in the last uh, episode, I don't think, but so Fuku is represented by people without faces. So whenever, like for instance, Oscar was getting dragged into the sugarcane fields and he says he he saw someone on a rocking chair on a porch across from him, but they had no faith. And that comes up several times. So like I could have sworn this person didn't have a face. And he says he was dreaming of Oscar. He had a nightmare, but Oscar didn't have a face. So Oscar's his Fuku. And the book him writing this about Oscar is his attempt at the Zafa, at the cure to the curse, right? So he's literally plagued his entire life now with the idea, the remorse and the failure to do all these things, right? To be a decent guy, the Oscar, to be a decent man in general, to actually care for the women that loved him and that provided him the care, the love, and the compassion that he needed again i it's not explicit that he actually learned his lesson, uh, not in this book anyway, uh, but seeing that all the books are connected, I do think that there's at least again i'm not going to say he learns a lesson, but I think there's at least an attempt at an arc where he may hopefully um, learn to better himself in that regard, but I just thought that was a an important bit to mention uh considering whether or not junior is actually growing and again as we said earlier acknowledging his faults
1: yeah i'm glad uh you read that part out because that's that's the part that i was like kind of referencing to her but i didn't know word for word what it was like i said like you know what i mean like he's heartbroken by the situation and i just wondered like okay I we know that it hurts him, right? And he's like I lost her, but it's like what what's the justification afterward because that's what we see often. You know what I mean? Yeah. That that's what we see often. It can go one or two ways and that's interesting guys. I mean, obviously maybe I should probably read the other stories too, but you know, for the listeners, check the other stories out and form your own opinion. I'm going to do the same thing because you know, it is it goes back and forth because obviously it's going to go based on what we think and how we feel, you know what I mean? Obviously, just as far as our opinion goes, not for how it's written. Yeah, so touching on that, I mean, just in my personal opinion, when I was reading it, and then now that you mentioned it, I was thinking through it throughout the whole pod, thinking, like, okay, why wouldn't he have pushed against it? I guess I really try to think about it from, like, given that Junior's, like, telling the story from a storytelling perspective, you know what I mean? Like, just the book, because he's telling it. I was trying to think, of like, Like, I try to imagine our dad or someone telling a story with pieces like that. You know what I mean? Like, you know how, because in the book, he's like talking about pretty much everyone else. He doesn't really dive too deep into himself. Right. But whenever he does, obviously, he gives his descriptions, but he also doesn't. um, What the fuck is it? Whenever he talks about himself, he doesn't give those deep little like fucking. What are they called? Footnotes?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like to further explain things.
1: Yeah. So I think about, like, again, like how our dad will tell a story, right? If he's talking about a whole bunch of people, right? And whenever he references himself, it's super vague and it's all just hyping himself up, right? he would be like, oh, yeah, you know me, you know what I'm saying? Like, whatever the fuck, right? But then when he talks about everyone else, he wants to give us that backdrop and everything like that. You know what I mean? So, again, no idea why he wrote it that way. But at least when I was reading, I felt like, okay, what, what, at least when you mentioned, like, the no pushback, like, just... If I was hearing this like from like the narrator perspective, just trying to think of a narrator, I know we use our dad as an example because we used him in here already. If he was telling a story like that, um, in his mind, again, he thinks this is how shit is, right? And so I wouldn't, I, you know what I mean? There wouldn't be no, um, I guess, pushback pos- because then that would be the narrator kind of acknowledging...
0: That they're wrong in some way.
1: Yeah, exactly. So And because I still feel like junior hasn't come to that realization yet and still kind of thinks what he's doing is okay. Especially with the reference to he cheats less as like a sign of good faith type of shit. It's like, that's how I think about it. Like, okay, the narrator's telling the story and the narrator believes this shit's okay. So he would tell the story without that kind of pushback. You know what I mean? Because to him, it's not necessary or goes back to like how you said that they use that whole thing with like the whole, it's just locker room talk situation. Like it's just better. Yeah, you know what I mean? It's like, it's just banter. And it's like, if someone we know who who thinks that way is like super toxic and, you know, misogynistic or whatever, right? If they were telling the story, they wouldn't include any pushback on it either because they think they're telling it and they think it's okay, right? And just like how they wouldn't get into these deep, like they they probably wouldn't be able to dive deep into themselves because they're too focused on telling the, you know, the broader narrative Mm -hmm. with other people. And also that kind of just goes to like, either sometimes i worry wonder if are like are they just full of themselves or are they just painting that persona of that so they can't really get into detail because then it would be exposing themselves at least that's what i was thinking about as reading through it because eventually i just got used to stopping to read all the fucking footnotes and then whenever he talked about him so I'm like oh cool it's like a breeze almost
0: yeah yeah i think it's interesting you mention that because one thing that comes up really often in the book and i'm gonna reread one of the opening quotes so that they kind of give a preface for this. Uh, I read it in the first episode. But one thing that comes up is that there's this very strong comparison between writers and dictators um, in the book. And there's actually a footnote. Um, I don't have a marker for which page it's on, so I'm not going to actually, you know, waste my time searching for it because that would take too long. But there's um, there, there was a conversation in one of the footnotes where... Juno, or I guess Junior, but as the writer Juno Diaz wrote in, dictators and writers have always had like these very serious, intense beefs. I mean, it's anyone, again, if you follow history, historical uh, precedent, like artists are usually killed by dictators, right? Especially like poets and writers and shit like Pablo Neruda. A lot of people are like, oh, he died of natural causes. We know Pinochet whacked him. Everybody knows that. Again, it's one of those things like you have to erase the people from the population that can most damage you. But also, like writers have this incredible power of creating an entire world and creating the politics of that world if they want to and manipulating said politics and culture. And so the first quote that opens our book is, quote, of what import our brief nameless lives to Galactus from the Fantastic Four? We know that Trujillo is a dictator in the Dominican Republic um, for like 30 or so years. And he is mentioned very prominently in the book. In a lot of ways, he's, I think another thing that I don't, I mean, I haven't read enough uh, commentary on the book that's focused on this, but I feel like this is also kind of missed is that Trujillo is painted as like the ultimate player, like this dude slept with billions of women there are only 10 million people in the dr but they're like he's painted as this man who had like access to anything he wanted and again because he was a dictator he couldn't say no so before i go into the last thing i want to say i'm going to read a section um that i remember someone mentioned in my writing class my professor rebecca entel um who actually taught this book and who a lot of whose notes i've been using to kind of lead this conversation but someone mentioned this in terms of like kind of like the humor in the writing, but also kind of like the darkness in it, how it's blended together and it kind of makes it seem lighter than the situation actually is. So on page 216, you say, Abelard, Oscar's grandfather, Abelard's serious, intellectual, oldest daughter was no longer her tall, awkward, flaquita self. Adolescence has struck with a fury, transforming her into, young, into a young lady of great beauty. She had called a serious case of the hip's ass chest, a condition which during the mid 40s spelled trouble with the capital T to the R to the U to the J to the EO. Ask any of your elders and they will tell you. Trujillo might have been a dictator, but he was a Dominican dictator, which is another way of saying he was the number one beyaco in the country. Believed that all the toto in the DR was literally his. So again, we have this dictator who's ruling for decades, over a small island nation, what ten million people, and he is ruling, running the country like. Uh, there's someone in the book. They call it a gulacracy, right? Gulo being ass, and acracy being right. This larger form of government, plutocracy. So they're saying Trujillo ran this place as like basically his brothel. Anyone who has an attractive daughter, an attractive wife, like. An attractive cousin, Trujillo expects to sleep with that person because he sees it as his right as the supreme leader of the Dominican Republic. And then we have Junior, who's writing a book that's very anti Trujillo, but also practicing the same shit that Trujillo practices with women. And the point, the reason I mention that is that. One, uh, the comparison with writers as dictators, like as a writer, Junior could have changed that narrative. He very well could have done so, but he didn't. And I think the reason he doesn't in the book is to showcase how deep rooted this shit actually is. Because again, there could have just been a pushback that, yeah, you know, Junior's a piece of shit and him acknowledging he's a piece of shit and he kind of has to address that. But the fact that we get this entire history of Dugiel and how. He basically has a history of rape throughout Oscar's entire family leading up to Oscar going to the DR and in, or history of rape probably in Junior's family and how these beliefs and these practices are now perpetuated in Dominican society. I think it's the book is an argument of not necessarily like what Junior is including or leaving out, but what Dominican society needs to confront, right? We need to confront the fact that. This motherfucker ruled over the country with an iron fist and he made misogyny and toxic masculinity a common practice and something that should be welcomed. But again, on that same plane as a writer, like if we're saying writers are like dictators, I think that um at least I could imagine arguments being that then again, union should have been more proactive or Juno Diaz should have been more proactive about including those components. But personally, me, I kind of appreciate the arc that includes um, the Tujuyato, as they call it, because again, it shows how deep rooted it is and how difficult it can be to break that precedent when literally everyone in your life who is associated with this culture has perpetuated it. So it's just something to think about in regard to that aspect of the conversation. Again, I think something that because the book is so dense and because a lot of footnotes do focus on Trujillo and not really on Junior, but when you read the footnotes about Trujillo, it's usually about his dominance or about the fact that he raped a lot of women and that his right-hand men and his son raped a lot of women. So like, again, kind of showcasing like, I don't really have to go into like my womanizing because all of my country's history explains this. Like you just have to be willing to break it down, right? I guess in some ways the book could be on Junior's attempt where we're talking about the character, his attempt to do so.
1: No, I, I didn't even think, honestly, that old breakdown was out of my head. But guys, if you guys have any say or thoughts on that or kinda wanna school us on your opinion and shit real quick, just hit us up. Let us know. This is our second episode on this because, like Randy said, the shit's dense. So, you know, going forward, if you guys want to uh, talk about it more and have, like, a broader conversation, you know, live, stuff like that, just hit us up. We could talk about it because, you know, there's probably a whole world of things that we're missing out on uh, that you guys are probably thinking about. And if you guys want us to touch base on that or anything like that, just hit us up. Homies are lit on Literally anything, social media, is home to guys.
0: Yeah, and again, if anyone's interested in reading the book, you can find it just about anywhere. It won the Pulitzer, so it's probably going to be on bookshelves forever. But yeah, thank you all for tuning in. Um, again, shout out to our brother Nico, who's editing all our audio. Shout out to my professor, Rebecca Antel. Again, a lot of the uh, different talking points. I just went into my notes when we talked about it in my multicultural lit class back in my junior year. Um, And we've uh, separately, she still reads a lot of my writing and gives me a lot of insights and yeah, she's helped a lot with this discussion. And she's also a writer. Uh, She's published a book called fingerprints of previous owners by unnamed press. I will include a link in the bio. So if anybody wants to check that out, feel free. And of course, subscribe to our podcast channel, wherever you get your podcasts, download the podcast. So if you can't listen to them now, you can catch them later. If you subscribe, it'll automatically download. So you don't have to worry about that shit. And yeah, follow us on social media. Um, any contacts, anybody wants to reach out with writing, wants um, any insights, um, just wants to talk the books, you can catch us at, at homiesolit.com or homiesolit.com um, for our G suite. And yeah, thanks for tuning in. All right, guys. Signing out.